This podcast could contain some content and or language that could be classified as sensitive for some listeners. Hi, I'm Alex L. and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. I'll be sitting down with some phenomenal women to discuss love. I believe we grew distant out of love of some type, like, I don't want to hurt you, loss. Really don't know what's going to trigger that feeling of grief in any moment. And a topic very important to my work, self-care. I'm holding on to this self-care with every ounce of me. (laughs) Join us as we journey through sharing together. This week's guest is Antonia Akatunde of Modermia.com. We're talking to Antonia today about the transition from corporate America to starting her own online magazine. Modermia is a platform for women of color to share their stories, and it also gives a piece of self-celebration for women of color. You are showing what we, as women of color, mothers of color, look like from all walks of life. Even within ourselves, we always say like, we're not a monolith, but then we hold ourselves to this kind of monolith idea that we're all the same, we all parent the same, we all make the same decisions, and it's just, it's not true at all. I think this conversation with Antonia is really loaded. We talk about so many different things, from interracial relationships. Our third date, I was like, look, do I have to convert? Because if I do, (laughs) then I like, we shouldn't continue this because, nah. (laughs) To starting your own business, to Meeting the expectations of parents. All the Nigerians listening or anyone who has immigrant parents will tell you there are like a few acceptable occupations that you can have. You're either a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or architect, like something that is guaranteed to to make money. Being able to have her on the show today to share a snippet of her story and what she's working on next has been truly wonderful. This is Antonia's story. Hey girl. Hey girl. How, How you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You I can't complain. Are a newlywed. Clap, it's true. Clap. <laughs> I'm thrilled for you. You looked stunning. You. Oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> it was it was crazy. It was everything that people tell you about getting married and the actual like wedding day process, you totally forget and <laughs> Except for the one thing I remember everyone telling me was it goes by so quickly that you won't remember it. But I I made a point to like work in pauses throughout the day. Like even when I was up on the altar, I was like, wait a second, I'm going to look at everybody. (laughs) I'm going to remember this. (laughs) Wonderful. I remember it. (laughs) So Antonia, I wanted to have you on the show because I'm a huge fan of yours and your platform and yeah I just I I really wanted to share your story from going from corporate America to starting your online magazine and, and just chatting about that transition and how that worked for you so for our listeners who may not be familiar with you please share who you are and what you do 
Yeah, uh, my name is Antonia Akatunde, and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of an online magazine called Modern Mia, which profiles Black women at the intersection of career and family. Yes, I love <laughs> Modern Mia. I didn't want to give it away in the beginning because I know that we have quite a few listeners who are, are Modern Mia fans as well, and it's it's a wonderful platform. So you didn't start off as an entrepreneur doing Modern Mia. How did you start off? Yeah, I I would never have called myself an entrepreneur. (laughs) I was always just a writer, like full blank. I was very mercenary about that skill set. Like when I started Modern Mia, actually after I started Modern Mia, I was working for a big publication on like post 50 baby boomer Mm. type So it wasn't like I went into this thinking that I am a writer about a specific thing. I just knew I liked writing and telling people's stories. So yeah, I never, never thought of myself as an entrepreneur until actually right this second. (laughs) I have a hard time calling myself an entrepreneur because it doesn't, it's not a, a label that fits well for me the way that it's always being presented. Hmm. So I'm trying to find a new way to to claim that title, but in a way that fits well for me. Like I, I don't know, a tailor-made yeah. uh, identity. Yeah. So before Modern Mia, what were you doing? Yeah. So I, I had graduated grad school, thought I would get a job automatically. That didn't happen. <laughs> had a really horrible breakup and mm-hmm. was like in Chicago where should I go to next? The world is my oyster. And um, after moving back home to Kansas City for a little bit, I was like, I need to leave before someone knocks me up and I get really used to these $400 rents. Girl, Um, that Kansas City rent and mortgage out there is bomb. Because, you know, Ryan is from Kansas City, Missouri. So whenever we think about, you know, we look at the homes here and we're like, oh, and then we we go to Trulia and we're looking at homes in Kansas City, Missouri. We're like, oh, my God, let's move home. It's crazy. Y'all could have like a five bedroom or bath (laughs) for what I pay for rent for my little two bedroom bedroom in New York. So <laughs> I hear you entirely. So yeah, so I, I landed in New York and just did the, you know, the hustle that everyone's so familiar with. I had three jobs. I was a nanny. I interned for a business magazine. I worked at Banana Republic and I was just saving up and saving up. Got tired of pretending that I didn't need insurance. Mm. So found a full-time <laughs> position at that aforementioned publication where I was writing about baby boomers for a while. Yeah. And what was your, I don't like to call it a breaking point, but what was your point of rediscovery? Like, this is not what I want to be doing. When did you decide yes to Modern Mia? And how did that become a, a thing for you? Yeah. So I, even though I never considered myself an entrepreneur, I've always considered myself a storyteller. And my big dream was to create a black teen magazine because I was like a really quirky uh, black little girl before that was a cool thing to be. And I just remember seeing like Seventeen Magazine and Cosmo Girl and all these magazines that just did not reflect my interest, my uh, concerns from like beauty to hair to all of that. So I talked to 
the former founder or founder emeritus of Modern Mia, uh, Deborah Choi. And we were talking about this idea that I had. And it was around the time of Lean In and Can Women Have It All? And those were conversations that I was really interested in because at that point in time, I was at the age where you're starting to think about like, I'm not dating for fun anymore. Like I'm dating to find the person to have the kids and then the career. And I was really noticing that one, those conversations weren't happening mainstream with uh, black women specifically. Mm -hmm. And those conversations looked very much like, oh, I just woke up in this beautiful brownstone with this beautiful man and this beautiful children and like all this money. Right. 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 (laughs) And that is not reality for most of us. (laughs) (laughs) So I really wanted to have like real conversations around these topics of concern. So it kind of became that modern Mia would be that that avenue for me. And even in the beginning, I was still very much like, I'm just the writer. I'm meeting these women who I admire, but I'm just telling their stories. It's it's all about them. And I'm I'm still trying to figure out like in this age of personality branding and whatnot, like how mm. do I put myself out there as the person behind Modern Mia? Because I still sometimes like to hide behind being a writer and just telling other people's stories yeah no and you and I have chatted about that you've said you know I don't really I don't really know what it's like or I don't know if I'm comfortable putting me as the face of modern Mia yeah and can you talk about that a little bit like where did that come from I think in some ways it's it's like a a multi-part thing so just being a writer, you're used to not being the focus of the story, but mm-hmm. the, your subjects are the focus. Mm-hmm. I also think that there's like this internal narrative that I'm trying to break free of that, you know, you're not that interesting or you're not the the focus. Like uh, it's a mix of the the writer thing and the co- the confidence thing yeah. where like, you know, I'm not a mom yet. That's also a big thing that people are always surprised when I tell them that I just, I'm so, I want to be a mom one day, but I'm not there yet. So putting myself out there makes me a little uncomfortable sometimes because it's like, I know I'm not a mom, but I have all these thoughts and feelings Mm. about motherhood. Mm -hmm. And I love sharing black women's stories and it's, you know, modern me is my baby, but I don't have a, a baby baby yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really like I really like that you pointed that out because a lot of a lot of people feel that way about certain things like, oh, I'm not married yet. So I can't speak out on X, Y and Z or oh, I'm not a mom yet or oh, I, I don't have a, I don't run my own business yet. So I'm not an entrepreneur and I can't give you X, Y, and Z advice or have certain thoughts and feelings surrounding the topic. And what I really find to be interesting is that I feel like sometimes we as women of color don't feel like we match up to to either the expectation or to the notion that we have to have it all figured out before we speak on something. And I want to get your, I want to get your thoughts on that too, because I don't feel like that's true. And I'm big on, you know, diving into the things that interest you um, and not even necessarily becoming an expert, but getting your feet wet and not being ashamed of those interests or using negative self-talk to downplay 
you know, those interests. So I want to chat with you a little bit about that. Like, how have you navigated that space with, you know, having this platform for black mothers, you being a black woman, but not yet a mother? And how do you kind of silence that negative self-talk that comes along with your career now? Yeah, it's interesting because it's it's something that I'm I'm just now starting to work on. Like I have a business coach now in the process of getting married. I went to couples counseling and like I brought up a lot of stuff that ironically also has a plays a role in in the way that I view myself as an entrepreneur. But I I think a lot of in my case the negative self talk that I do is a defense mechanism to do it before someone else outside of myself says it. So I'm like acting as if, okay, someone's going to come out and say, ha ha, you know, we, we've caught you. You actually don't know what you're talking about. Mm. Um, and that person hasn't shown up, but in my anticipation of that person appearing, I do a lot of negative self-talk. So now that I've identified that that's what I'm doing, that it's me, you know, creating this defense of something that probably is never going to appear or if it does appear won't have that much impact because of the platform I have built and the stories I have shared. Right. It's it's surrounding myself with those kind of affirmations. So I have like a folder where I just keep all these these positive uh, responses I've gotten from the work that I've done with Modern Mia. Um, I, That's so good. <laughs> I need that affirmation. <laughs> yes. Affirmations are everything. And they really are. And since I'm still, I, I don't want to say I can't do it, but since I'm still learning how to do it automatically, having outside validation to look to, to like counter those voices has been really helpful for me. So yeah, I think that's, that's it is like actively working on silencing that voice or mm-hmm. at least taking away the power it's had in the past Yeah, has been really important. That, that, that says a lot because so many of us as human beings are like always in our heads about our negative self, you know, and not focusing on our positive self. So in business, that can be really tricky. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's not easy to tackle. Are you a social drinker? Do you enjoy wine down Wednesdays with your girlfriends on Zoom after work? Did you have a little bit too much to drink once and woke up with a hangover? Well, Goody's Hangover is more than the natural supplements you've seen before for treating hangovers. With a history rooted in analgesics and putting an end to tough pain, Goody's Hangover has the right formula to stop pain fast and provide a boost of alertness. Goody's Hangover Powder temporarily relieves minor aches and pains due to hangover, headaches, or muscle aches. It also helps restore mental alertness when experiencing fatigue or drowsiness associated with a hangover. It's also easy to use. You can toss it back or mix it with water or any other non-alcoholic beverage of your choice. Goodies understands that you can't afford to let a hangover slow you down. And for a hangover that is real tough, you need real medicine. Now you can have a fun night on Zoom with your girls without worrying about the next morning. Goodies hangovers. Real medicine for real hangovers. Fast relief with a boost of alertness. Do you love discovering new products? Are you a beauty and fashion maven constantly on the hunt for the next best thing? Ever read about or spot something online that you've always wanted to try but never have? Then you might love FabFitFun. It allows women everywhere to discover new products as well as including rave review and must-have brands that you know and love. It's like Christmas four times a year. 
Stumped on gift ideas? FabFitFun is also a great gift for someone you love. You can surprise your mom or sister with this awesome summer box packed with great items. Do you have a daughter who's going to college, maybe, or a friend who's a new mom? FabFitFun is an awesome care package. My last box came with this beautiful lotus towel. It was blue, and it's shaped like the flower, and it has a gorgeous design in the middle. That's something we've been laying out on the deck and relaxing on for a few weeks now. So what I love about FabFitFun is that they offer full-size products, no samples of anything. Every box is guaranteed to have over $200-plus in retail value. The summer 2019 box has a total retail value between $269 to $467. That's fantastic. Treat yourself with items in it, such as the Sutra Professional Mini Travel Blow Dryer, the beautiful Vicks Paula Lotus Towel, or the West Elm Indigo Tie-Dye Bowls. Many of the products' individual value is more than the entire cost of the box. You can customize your box by choosing some products and some add-ons with each one. Or you can be surprised. It's great for discovering new brands and new products. What a better way to shop. I'm looking forward to my next box because they're always so different and packed with things I can actually use. I like to share the items in my box with my 11-year-old. She's really into skincare these days. We recently got a clay mask and a foot mask and a body scrub. She loves them all. The FabFitFun 2019 Summer Box is on sale now. So sign up for FabFitFun today. These boxes always sell out. You can use my code HEYGIRL to get $10 off your first box. All you have to do is go to FabFitFun to sign up and get started. Use promo code HEYGIRL to get $10 off your first box. That's over $200 for only $39.99. Go to FabFitFun.com and use my code HEYGIRL to get $10 off your first FabFitFun box. So I want to talk a little bit about your upbringing. You are an African woman and (laughs) I would love to know what expectations you had on yourself as far as undergrad and grad school, what your parents' expectations were of you career-wise, and how you view yourself now that things kind of took a shift, and how your parents view your now career. (laughs) It's funny to think. So my parents are Nigerian. Mm -hmm. Um, I was born in in, uh, Prince George's County and then lived in the DMV area up until we moved to Kansas City when I was five. And there has always been an expectation of greatness kind of foisted on me that has been kind of hard to live up to because it was a very specific type of greatness. So, you know, all the all the Nigerians listening or anyone who has immigrant parents will tell you there are like a few acceptable occupations that you can have. It's you're either a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or architect, like something that is guaranteed to, to make money and to support not only you, but like your family as well. So I've always had this expectation of being able to support myself and my family through my career. Mm-hmm. And when I was a kid, I remember like going to the doctor's office and taking notes and doing all these things that I thought my parents wanted me to do. And that was just me being a storyteller showing up, but being reflected through this like occupational lens that 
I knew I was opposed to want, but didn't want. So I think it was like very heartbreaking when I got to college and told my dad that I didn't want to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a writer. He was like, oh my gosh, no. (laughs) Where did we go wrong? (laughs) But then he was like, well, if you're going to be a journalist, then you're going to be a CNN journalist. You're going to be BBC. You're going to be the top um, of the top, the the top top of the top with like, again, those kind of markings that convey success. So it's not enough to be a writer, but you have to be CNN or a talking head. So I, it's something that I'm still working on trying to figure out, you know, how, how can I be successful? Because I do want to be able to support myself and my family. Those things I still think are very much a part of me, but it's not going to look the way that we all um, have prepared me for it to be. Right. Yeah. Right. But they're super supportive of Modern Mia. Like, I have a picture of my mom at Modern Mia's two-year anniversary event, and I think (laughs) it's, like, second to my wedding day as, like, the most proudest I've ever seen her. Oh, my goodness. Um, She just, like, has this look of just sheer and total bliss on her face that, like, my mom is the hardest working woman I know is, like, constantly on her feet on her job and just to see her beaming that way was Mm. just I'm like trying not to tear up right now thinking about it but they're super supportive they're they're just you know kind of waiting for my Oprah star to to (laughs) (laughs) it's coming it's coming (laughs) so how did you navigate that space of you know maybe some slight disappointment from your parents at first but still, you know, being confident enough to go through with your dreams and aspirations of being a writer and now being, you know, in this entrepreneurial space where you're trying to get Modern Mia to where you want it. I, I think it's still a work in progress, but I'm very stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> something that I like, realized about myself, like I am a dog with a bone and the idea of giving up on modern Mia or any of my dreams is just like not even a talking point. It's something that I think about sometimes like, Oh, it'd be really nice to just like get a steady check and a nine to five. And sometimes I think I do have that employee mindset because of all those things I mentioned before, but it's just, it doesn't work for me. So it's, you know, if this is what you want, which it is, how are you going to make it happen? How how do you stop kind of waiting in this in this uh, negative space or this like short minded space to get to where you want to be? Because it's I think with all of us, the only thing in the way is usually ourselves. There's yeah. a way to get around a lot of barriers. Yeah. But if you're telling yourself constantly like, no, 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 then it's going to be no. Right. So we have to be our yes men. I tell people that all the time. In entrepreneurship, we have to be. I mean, in life, we have to be. But specifically when you're trying to build a business and eat off that business and support your family (laughs) off that business, we have to be our own yes men. And that might mean you're going to fail along the way. That might Mm -hmm. mean you shouldn't have said yes when you did, but you have this lesson now with you. And success doesn't come without failure. I'm a huge believer in that. There's no way that we can be these perfect, unflawed beings because then 
that's boring and there's no lesson in that. I'm a recovering perfectionist is what I've started telling people. I definitely (laughs) have that, like that fear of failure because it's always been positioned as like the worst possible thing that can happen to you. Yeah. I, I think a lot of the stagnation that I've experienced personally and with modern Mia has been because I've been afraid of going out on a limb Mm. to experience failure like what happens if this awful thing happens? And it's like, well, what happens if it doesn't? I like, I won't know now because right. I'm in this weird limbo. <laughs> right. <laughs> Have you felt like, okay, I love that you said that. Have you felt like you've had an, any epic failures with, with Modern Mia being a startup? Have oh, you felt like okay. you've had any like, I'm, I can't do this. Like, I just cannot do this work moments yeah <laughs> it's funny because I like have five just like off off top right now <laughs> please <laughs> rattle them off I'm here um, but when I first started the site I had an issue with my employer who mm-hmm. said that they actually owned it and had to get a lawyer oh I remember um, that to, you told yeah, me that mm. I had, like lawyer up and I was like oh my gosh what made me think that I could like take this on mm. I had issues with like people stealing the photography because a big hallmark of modern Mia is the amazing photos and like claiming the photos as theirs or using it for like really shady uses. Mm. And it was like a very scary thing. Like, again, where am I going to get the money to fight these people off? And then there are just times where I just have seen other sites pop up and it feels like, oh my gosh, they're doing it so much better than I could. Mm. Like they have so much support. Modern Mia is still a one person driven entity. So when I get into these uh, funks, it just, it's like, why, why am I doing this? Like, can I go on? Does anyone even care that I'm doing this? Like, who, who am I doing this for? And I think I'm starting to realize, as you said, that I have to be my own yes man, because I just, I, I can't not do the website. Like the idea of not doing Modern Mia is just. <laughs> not happening. It, yeah, it's not happening. So those moments of, oh my gosh, what am I doing? <laughs> or I can't do that. Yeah. I, there's always the day after where it's like, okay, well, I survived that. So let's, let's, let's keep let's going. Keep moving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's great. That's great because people always ask me those types of questions and I think you just really described it wonderfully or answered it wonderfully rather that you know you have to determine whether or not you're going to keep going and it's hard out here because there's a lot of competition Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people with money that can do it better there are a lot of big corporations but I think there is something beautiful about like I'm a huge startup junkie i love startups i love Um, that about you too that you like shout startups out like you have this like amazing platform yourself and you're doing the work to like shine light on other people's work which i just think is so amazing like you are shine theory writ large i i love that about you thank you and i mean i do that on purpose i do that on purpose (laughs) because it's it's needed there's so much like i said competition out here but then when can we transform that competition into community and giving yeah. e- and giving each other 
voices. Now, of course, we can't do that for everybody. But if one person does it and then another person does it, just imagine the word of mouth that can travel. And I personally love what you're doing because we you you are showing what we as women of color, mothers of color look like from all walks of life. Um, I think it's so important. Yes, it's we even even within ourselves, we always say like we're not a monolith, but then we hold ourselves to this kind of monolith idea that we're all the same. We all parent the same. We all make the same decisions. And it's just it's not true at all. Mm -hmm. And my favorite thing about Modern Mia, too, is that there's a realism to the storytelling. It's not that brownstone beauty that I was talking about earlier. It's like, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. But, it's, but there's it's, joy to be found in exactly, that too. I was just about to say, it's <laughs> worth it and there is a joy to be found in that. Mm-hmm. So I want to shift gears a little bit and yeah. talk to you about being a newlywed and also being in an interracial relationship and how that has shifted you not only as a woman of color, but also impacted your partner. And you mentioned wanting to have children one day. So Mm -hmm. I also want to talk about how you're going to hone in on that, not only intersectionality, but them being biracial, born to a black mother and your husband is Caucasian, right? Yeah. 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 He's a, he's Jewish as well. So there's like the religion factor um, that we already have seen with the, with the wedding process. It's, it's funny because I, it's always I, I I'm stuttering because talking about interracial relationships is always a loaded thing. But I I think for myself personally, what I say is that I could not be with anyone who just doesn't have a level of em- empathy mm-hmm. and um, intelligence in general. But then specifically about my experiences as a black person mm-hmm. with Scott and I we're such a talky couple. Like we're never not talking about the like meaty parts of our relationship. Mm -hmm. So like our third date, I was like, look, do I have to convert? Because if I do, (laughs) then I like, we shouldn't continue this because (laughs) nah. That's just like not what I'm interested in. Like with the wedding process, which is a whole different conversation, but we dealt with like racism and a rabbi who we got ousted from his community because of the way that he treated us. And we worked. I remember you told that. Yeah. Mm. We worked as a team on that. Like Scott, to make a very, very long story short, we were meeting with a a reform rabbi to do, to officiate our wedding because that is the only movement of Judaism that would do an interfaith wedding. And so this guy in the course of like becoming incredibly more offensive, he said the N-word during the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I just shut down, like could could not even begin to like form sentences. I was like, and Scott like just stepped in and was like, no, we're ending this. Like as much as like a fuck you that you can say to a religious authority right. with like what Scott was giving this guy. Right. So like he steps in when I am just like, you know, I was not expecting to hear nigger in the, in the process of like a wedding conversation with a religious person. So Goodness we worked as a, it was so traumatizing, but we like worked as a team on that to like figure out what does that look like? What does it mean to be an interfaith family in a space that 
this is supposed to be the most liberal of Mm -hmm. the spaces. Mm -hmm. And I still hear the N word with the kids part. It's interesting because something I said after the the racist rabbi incident was the racist rabbi hashtag (laughs) hashtag the racist (laughs) rabbi. Oh my gosh. That's what he's been come to know um, (laughs) in this family. But, oh, I was like, you know, I already know people are going to tell them they're not black enough. Mm. I get that. And my parents are from fucking Nigeria. I get that a lot. Right. No, they're going to be told they're not white enough. I don't know if I want to add Jewish enough on top of that. Mm. And for him, that's like his identity. Like he would say that he's Jewish before that, before him being white. Like Mm -hmm. he... I didn't want to take that away from his children either. Right. So we're we're having conversations about what that looks like, like finding spaces or even creating that space within our own home. It's made me more cognizant of my own um, relationship with religion, just because I'm not particularly a faith-led person. Mm-hmm. It's something that I'm actually starting to come back to, ironically <laughs> enough, the older I get. But yeah. I want to be able to explain why mom isn't Jewish and why mom doesn't go to temple, but like you guys have to go to temple. Mm. And then there's also like the colorism thing too. Like I'm so, <laughs> I'm so interested to see what my children look like, Mm -hmm. because I think that's also another level to it as well. Like I know an interracial family who, who are raising their kids Jewish and the children are very fair. And so like they ostensibly could pass if they like, like they don't read as other in the spaces that they're in. Mm -hmm. So like when it just, it all depends on what, what, what happens and, and what the kids look like. And yeah, I was even telling someone, like, I don't even know, like, if I'm just going to go to the opposite extreme and then give my, like, light-skinned babies a complex about not being dark enough. Oh, my <laughs> like, goodness. Baby, yeah, well, it's so much. Any, like, white baby dolls in the house and, like, all the baby dolls need to be this kind of color. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, we'll see when we get there. But the great thing about who I've chosen to be my partner is that we're talking about it the yes. entire time. Yes. So Yes. And that yeah. matters. And that, you know... I wish we, you know, could go deeper into that, but I feel I feel like the conversations and the awareness, it's where it all starts. And you love who you love, but if there's no awareness or conversations going on about the future when it comes to offspring and when it just comes to navigating this world, this crazy intense world yeah. as an interracial couple, as a black couple, as a white couple, Hispanic, Asian, the list could go on. There has to be some sort of awareness and conversation going on. And I really like that you touched on that on on a bunch of different things, just about you and your partner. And and when you guys do have children, you know, you have to cross those bridges when you get there. But the conversations are just ridiculously important. Important. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that's wonderful. That is wonderful. I I get um, a little grossed out when people are, are like that kind of like I don't know some of the most offensive responses I've gotten on modern Mia work have been in relation to interracial families really um, yeah like yeah <laughs> mm. so, so that's going to be interesting if you ever decide to share that part of your life yeah yeah I even had like a little cold feet about like when the wedding photos are ready like sharing the fact that my husband is white. Like I just, I know because I see it, but I also know that modern Mia's core audience are people who 
are loving and generous of spirit. So I think that will comfort me if and when I hear something like negative, but it's all very complicated. It is. I was just about to say, it's all like literally <laughs> life is so complicated from business, <laughs> from relationships, from this really hyper social media time that we live in. It's intense. It's super intense. But I will say that I love the work that you're doing. And it's, you know, it's been wonderful to see Modern Mia grow. And I'm very excited for your podcast. And I'm very excited for the the website to just bloom even more. Thank you for creating, you know, a beautiful space online for women of color to um, to visit, to read, to view beautiful photos. You know, and you and I have had this conversation before. A lot of people don't associate beauty mm. with people of color behind it. Yeah. There's a certain aesthetic that mm-hmm. we aren't associated with and if and, and you true. know what I'm you know what I'm saying and I really love that modern Mia X's that out it's like that is not the truth yeah, here is no, living proof yes yes yeah. absolutely so with all of that being said you are a business owner of this wonderful website. You're a newlywed. You're navigating these different and complicated spaces while, you know, still catering to yourself. That's magical. And I want to know three self-care tips that you have to share with our audience that you practice or that you want to start practicing more. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I like the caveat, (laughs) just in case. No, but before we actually started talking, I was in the the midst of something where I needed to repeat comparison as the thief of joy. I think it's, for me, it's really, really hard to remember that like, what my mom always says is that you can't judge where you are by someone else's clock. So like, just look at your own, your own time and trust in that time. It might have, it might seem like it took someone else a shorter amount of time to, to get where you want to be, but you also don't know their joy or their struggles or how they got there, um, what they did to get there. Maybe it's, it's not what you want to do to get there. And right. that's why it's taking a little bit longer. Right. I have a hard time remembering that, but I've started repeating that to myself. Like, you were happy before you started comparing yourself to so-and-so. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. such and such. Being kind to yourself, like talking to yourself the way that you would talk to your friend. I feel like with women of all walks of life, it's so much easier to give yourself to other people. And it's harder to to make those same generous donations of time and, and, and charity when it's for yourself. So I'm I'm working on speaking to myself the way that I do to a friend. Mm-hmm. Like if a friend is upset about a, a choice that happened at work, I would never be like, oh my God, you suck. Like why right. did you let that happen? Right. Like, I would never, but I do that for myself a lot. So that is something that I'm, I'm getting a little bit better at. And then naps. I <laughs> love sleeping. I Amen. feel like so much better <laughs> when I like take a nap. It's like, when I was in high school, people were like, oh, did you try to call Tommy? She was probably sleeping because it's like, <laughs> I need to rejuvenate. I need I need sleep. So, yeah, giving myself permission to sleep when I need to has been good, too. So those are my three things. Oh, that's <laughs> wonderful. That's good. Easy breezy. Love it. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. I, I appreciate you. So as we wrap up, please let people know where they can find you 
Modern Mia and all things Modern Mia moving forward? Yeah, so you can find Modern Mia on Facebook and Instagram. Those are the two that I'm focused on. Um, (laughs) And it is M-A-T-E-R-M-E-A. And then our website is modernmia.com. Again, M-A-T-E-R-M-E-A.com. That's where you can find us. Yay. Wonderful. Well, please let me know when your podcast is ready. And I I will definitely be plopping it into the Hey Girl plug. um, (laughs) So our our ladies can can follow suit and, you know, keep up with what you guys are doing on air. Thank you, Alex. This has been amazing. I really appreciate the shine and just you in general. Like you are a constant light for me and so many others. So thank you. Thank you. Yay. We'll talk to you soon. We did it. Whoop, whoop. (laughs) Hey Girl is a member of the District Productive Network. Produced by Jamie Benson and me, Alex L. Music provided by DC's own Kokai. Kokai.